brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about marriage in a rut. And boy, a lot of marriages get in a rut because it is a long journey. And any long journey requires occasionally getting off the road to eat, fill the car with gas, or simply take a rest. You know, you have to wonder, has your own love fallen into a marital rut? Or is your marriage slowly getting buried under the daily routine, which so many people do? And and what could you do differently to break out of that and renew your love for each other? You've got to continue asking yourselves these kind of questions. There's hardly a relationship around that doesn't hit a time when life becomes so daily that those involved don't find themselves bored to death. You know, we know that we've fallen into quite a few marital ruts ourselves. Who hasn't? You know, anybody that's married is going to fall into a rut. But you would be quite the unique couple in this world if you didn't fall into a rut. Or maybe your rut is more behavioral. You know, you've learned to tune out your spouse's voice. Or you'll always make love the same predictable way or the same predictable night. Maybe you've completely stopped trying to find creative ways to demonstrate your affection and care. Perhaps you've become too ensconced in your work week or your work routine. You know, the early morning departure, the commute, the time away. You know, you come back to the evening and you're tired and you're grouchy and they're completely missing opportunities to affirm and connect with each other because of these things. So you never underestimate the element of occasional surprise. Uh, You know, maybe you can make your spouse happy and build up your marriage by doing small things for them. You know, it can be so simple. You know, maybe maybe someone goes to the trouble of picking out an audio book that you can listen to while on your morning commute. Or maybe it's a, a, a spouse buying Uh, somebody an unexpected gift. This is an unconnected uh, into any holiday or anniversary. I'm just saying you just do it because you're breaking away from the normal. You know, what would it mean to your spouse if you took the afternoon off? You take time away from work or watching the kids. Perhaps you go to an early movie, take a walk around a lake or go on a picnic. Sometimes all it takes is something out of the ordinary. And it's something that says, I don't take you or us for granted. And that's very important. You know, you want to put a lot of special thought into it. And you want to fight the, you know, the repetitions that just continue to drag the marriage down. And marriages also tend to lose that spark and become boring. And that's because we focus on the areas of weakness. And so we end up arguing. You know, we don't communicate well. You know, we don't do enough of the housework for each other. Maybe we uh, don't do anything about childcare or helping each other with childcare. Maybe the sex is dry. You know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens. And you can thrive if you're always looking at all the things you do wrong. You know, you can't thrive. You can't grow when everything is about what is wrong. It's what is right and how to create what is right. And here's the interesting thing. If you come at marriage from a Christian perspective, if you come at it from that perspective, what you have to understand is that when a wife 
decides to go down the aisle wearing a white dress with a veil, that is the semblance of what God did for Abraham. She is taking a covenant to the man by walking down the aisle, which is exactly what God did. She's wearing white, which represents the light of God. The veil represents the idea that we could not see God's face. Abraham would die if he would have seen God's face. So that covenant is right there. And then there's the covenants that people take in their vows. And these are very, very important things. But let's just go from a Christian perspective as to the meaning of marriage. Well, here's the deal. The relationship between spouses is how we learn how to love God. We have to do what is right for each other, and we have to do what is right for God. And that is on earth, our 24 by 7 lesson on how to love God. You can always tell where you stand with God by how you treat your spouse. The other part of it is, is if you look at your children, how you treat your children is how you believe God loves you. And so this whole family thing is a 24 by 7 operation of your faith. And so it's really important for us to know that we have to vest in our marriage if we want to have a good life, if we want to have a lot of memories, if we want to have a lot of life lessons. And before you attempt to talk to your spouse, get clear about your feelings, as clear as you have capacity for. And then remember, the point is not to hurt anybody. It's rather What can we do to get out of a rut? And don't blame other people for getting into the rut. Don't blame your spouse. Nothing good comes from making the other person feel bad. The goal is to fix and draw closer together. So forget the blame game and just state your experience as a level-headed as possible. Flat and straight instead of Broadway production. Flat and straight. Simple. You know, we're kind of in a rut. Maybe it's time we think about ways we can get out of it. And it sounds, you know, like, you know, I'm expecting this moment in our lives Uh, to be more difficult than what they are. I feel like we don't take or talk as much as we used to, or or we don't hang out for the two of us. And it's making me feel sad. And I'm a little disappointed. You know, those are the kind of words that you would use. And this way of talking to your spouse creates room for creative solutions. And you are creating a life together. Don't forget that. You're creating a life together all the time. It is a process. It's not an outcome. And when we are stuck in a rut, you know, it's another way of feeling like you're being taken for granted. And once someone reassures you of your position in their life, the stress of it subsides. All of us want to feel respected. All of us want to feel like we have a voice. All of us do not want to live in fear or speculation or not knowing where we stand with our spouse. You know, this is an important thing in our life. We both shy away from being vulnerable at a time when vulnerability is needed the most. That's when you're in a rut. That's when you need to be the most vulnerable. Being able to to say, you know, we're in a rut and I don't know what to do about it. And, and, you know, if someone says, oh, well, that's okay. You know, some things take more time. The general answer, no, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it and deal with it. Life is too short for you to sit around living the same day over and over and over again. That is crazy. Also, you know, there's a sense of abandonment when we're in a rut. And that's another 
fear that creeps into our life and it causes a lot of rift in our uh, behavior, in our moods, in our emotions. We don't want to have that underlying idea that we're being abandoned in our life. That's terrible. We want to feel attached. Well, if you want to feel attached, you have to reach really far down into yourself and understand that marriage is about suffering for another person, choosing to suffer for another person. The other part that is so important about marriage is that you have to understand you are required to give your partner compassion, not try to be right. If you're a person that tries to be right, you're probably the reason the marriage is in a rut because you can't communicate because you always have to be right. And that's sad, but a lot of people fixate on that thing. You know, there's some things you can do when you're in a rut. Take the time to realign your needs and see which you're able to meet by yourself. And it's important to get clear about what you want and what is no longer working for you. And and, and you want to also learn to be grateful. Appreciate what is working. Happiness is appreciating what you have what you already have. So many of us don't appreciate what we actually have. We're too busy looking at the grass is greener on the other side. Also, admitting you're in a rut and reassuring your spouse that we're in a rut, but we can get out of this, you know, have a little faith. We can do this. This is going to be fun. We're going to spice up our life a bit. Also, you have to get curious about your spouse. We all are different over the years. We change. We adapt. You want to be curious about each other. You want to be curious about each other's knowledge on different topics. We want to take advantage of what each other knows and doesn't know. You know, marriage ruts are not a new thing, and they can be navigated with love and with patience. And sometimes it's okay to rest from always trying to fix and go within. Acknowledge the rut and reassure your spouse that you guys will figure it out. You know, the other thing is, It is so important to understand what your spouse's love language is. Many spouses only do their love language for their spouse and don't do what the spouse needs as a love language. For instance, if quality time together is your spouse's love language and you're giving them gifts because that's your love language, that's not going to fill their tank. You have to figure out what your spouse's love language is. Is is it giving gifts? Is it is it compliments? Is it time together? You know, is it intimacy? What what is it? What is it that they need emotionally? Because it's not logical. And if you understand that and you keep filling that tank, what you're going to find is your spouse is going to want to fill your tank too. And that is the great thing about love languages. They fill each other's needs, not wants, but needs. And that's a really good topic for you guys to study together. If you're in a rut, you know, no couple wants their marriage to be dysfunctional. And yet many couples live in perpetual dysfunction and they operate like two blind people learning to dance with each other and they keep stepping on each other's toes and it doesn't have to stay that way. You know, if you're one of the million millions of people that faces this kind of struggles, your first step is to have the courage to change your habits. If you've taken on, you know, the, these habits that are very dysfunctional, they can destroy you. The first one, and I think the most important one, is criticizing or nagging each other. 
You know, the tone of your words will set the tone of your marriage. What you have to understand is most arguments in a marriage are not about the words you're saying to each other. It's about either number one, you're not listening, and that requires nagging. And the other part is that you are likely not available. You're not available to have a two-way conversation because you're not a what is called an open listener, someone who is open to hearing your partner. You're not only responsible for your perception of the truth, you're also responsible to hear their uh, uh, perception of the truth. What is really interesting about nagging and why it happens, most often it is because your spouse is not being cherished. So cherished is, I can't be the person I am without them. I don't even know why they're with me. You know, I am so lucky to have them. They're my best friend. It's that way when I'm with them. It's that way when I'm not with them. That is cherish. When you cherish, that means that we are safe with each other, that we are valued by each other. What's really important is when people don't cherish, nagging will step into the norm. And the reason a person is nagging you is because they're wondering who or what you are cherishing. Is it your car? Is it your job? Is it another woman, another man? Is it the, you know, is it uh, your best friend? Is it your family? What is it that you're cherishing? Because it's certainly not me. And that is what creates a lot of ruts. And, and so once we get into the nagging, we start to shut each other's voice down. And when you're frustrated, it's easy to fall into a pattern of speaking negatively to your spouse. And when they're not doing what you think they should be doing, it's a natural tendency to nag them and respond with sarcasm or criticism. And these habits are understandable, but they're not helpful. And so you want to work to speak with encouragement and warm tones, even on those days that you don't think your spouse deserves your encouragement. If you're going to put your spouse down, if you're going to treat them with negativity, you are spitting in the wind and it's going to blow right back in your face. Also, if you use sex as leverage, when a marriage gets into a rut, there's rarely intimacy inside or outside the bedroom. And a bad habit that can form is when sex is actually used as leverage or a battlefield, meaning it's given only as a reward for certain behaviors or withheld as punishment for other behaviors. And this can slowly sabotage the trust and the intimacy in your marriage. You know, we we really, really need to grab on to the understanding that a lack of intimacy in a marriage is hopeless. It is a bottomless pit of hopelessness, and people get very lonely. Marriage in itself, when it's not working, is the loneliest place on the earth. You are trapped in a relationship with no value for you or your partner. But you, if you want it to change, have to be the first to step in the middle and actually create change. You can't expect it of your partner by nagging them to death. Also, many people avoid meaningful communication with each other. You know, when couples get into a funk, they usually start pulling away from each other, even when they, they're in the same room with each other, and they may still be in two different worlds. So their communication is surface level when it's not angry, of course, but pulling away is a natural response when we feel misunderstood, angry, or hurt. But those are the moments when we need to run towards each other 
and make communication a priority and open up our communications. Talk about your feelings. That's why you're together, because how you felt about each other. Marriage in itself is the worst contract you will ever sign. It is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. But we do it because we love the other person. We have feelings for the other person. That is why people volunteer to be married. So you're not there for your logic. You're not there for all the things you can buy and do with your resources. You're there because how you felt about each other. And your kids, hopefully, are on this earth because of the way you felt about each other. But feelings require continuous work, continuous communication. How do you feel? Oh, I'm fine. What's your second choice? <laughs> you know, don't just leave it at, oh, I'm good, fine. You know what? One word answers? No. What's your second choice? You know, oh, you know, uh, uh, if someone's bringing up some, some idea, oh, that's a good point. You know, or maybe they're criticizing. That's a good point. I understand that. I, I can see how you feel that way. I can see how you see me like that. You see, when we acknowledge people's feelings, we are acknowledging their soul. When we deny people their feelings and tell them what they're supposed to be feeling because they're wrong, we are actually ex just killing their soul. We are turning them down as a human being and disrespecting them. And when you have anger and issues with rage, it is created by two basic elements, disrespect and fear. People that live res with resentment feel either disrespected in their relationship or they're afraid, or both. That causes an inner rage and sometimes an external rage that can go on and on and on. All right, we're going to talk about more signs, and then we're going to talk about how to fix this stuff. So let's come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about, is your marriage in a rut? You know, it's amazing that I run across constantly people that do stonewalling in relationships. They'll stonewall for a week. They'll stonewall for as long as they can, expecting their spouse to come forward and apologize or take some kind of or break the ice with them and try to talk about something else and not even solve the problem that caused them to stonewall in the first place. We need to put a door in people's stonewall because stonewalling is the number one indicator that your spouse is passive aggressive. So what is passive aggressive? What it is, is they hold it in like a teapot. They hold it in and hold it in and hold it in, and eventually it starts to boil. And then eventually, over time, the same theme of things of disrespect or fear will take place. And then eventually they blow and they look like they're absolutely insane. Or they shut down and they stonewall and they hold off for a long time. But they look absolutely insane when they blow. And when they blow, all you think is, uh, dude, you, you either need to go to the hospital or you need a therapist. You need something. Because this isn't working. This blowing up stuff is crazy. But that's because they don't know how to handle their emotions. So they keep holding it in and holding it in. Unfortunately, many people destroy the trust in their, the emotional trust in their relationship because they don't know how to navigate emotions. It's called your EQ, your emotional vocabulary. We are not babies. We are adults and we need to grow up and we need to recognize our emotions and work with them and manage them and use them to get through life. Unfortunately, some people are just phoning it in all their life. And it's really boring and horrible to be married to a robot. That's not fun. But unfortunately, some people will settle for that. So if you want to spice it up, you're going to have to appeal to the human being underneath the robot and try to get something going. You know, the, the other thing is, when we feel disconnected in a marriage, there is a tendency to find that connection somewhere else, whether through close fans, with, with family uh, through, you know, God forbid, through somebody of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever, and it can lead to something sexual and even an emotional affair, which an emotional affair is sometimes 10 times worse than a sexual affair simply because it's emotional and we are starving to connect on an emotional level. And you need to understand if you don't fill that tank in your marriage with each other, you're still going to find somewhere that you can connect in this life. And that's sad. It needs to be in the marriage. That's the first place. And in these vulnerable moments when you're tempted to find emotional connection with other people, you need to surround yourself with people who will give you wisdom and work to reconnect you with your spouse. That is the time to reconnect with your spouse, not with this other person dragging all their stuff into your life because God only knows that's like you're just inviting uh, uh, to, uh, and self-defeating your marriage. It's a terrible thing, but people do it all the time, unfortunately. 
Also, fantasizing about a life without your spouse. That's another ingredient that tears a relationship down. So once you get into a negative mindset about your spouse and your marriage, eventually you most likely entertain some fantasies about how much better life would be with you, with yourself, if you were single or married to someone else. You know, lots of stressors can add the strain to a marriage. Having kids, work, moving, losing someone you love. Any of life's significant events can weigh heavily on your relationship with your spouse. But sometimes it's just the everyday minutiae that starts to water down the spice in your marriage that you may have once had or you may have never had, you know, and it can sneak up on you and it can sneak up on you in ways that you never even know. But you need to keep in tune. Am I in a rut? Is my marriage in a rut? Is my life in a rut? And maybe if your life's in a rut, everything else is going to be in a rut. You know, a lot of people get bored. You know, bored people are boring. If if somebody's going to say they're bored, they're boring. That's what they are. Wake up. You know, not every night can be the best night ever. But if you find yourself bored with your spouse, more often than not, you'll want to explore ways to change that. You know, and, and, and you know, partners who feel bored when they're together tend to drift apart. This is one rut that if it's left unattended could lead to more serious issues. Also, when the, you finally have some time alone with your partner, but you're both staring at your phone, it's time to take notice. You know, if your spouse is, you know, sticking on the, the to the rule that their phone is has to be there all the time, that they have to look at this, that, or the other, that's not marriage. That's not connection. Just because you're sitting together, you're engaged with the phone. The phone is what you cherish, not not your partner. So, you know, sometimes if we're on a date or we're spending special time together, put the phone away. It's not that freaking important. Put it away. You know, turn the ringer on so if somebody's calling you, at least hear that, you know, if it's an emergency. You know, the other part of what gets people in a rut is you and your spouse have trouble moving past conflict. And it's a sign that you're in a rut. Experience a marriage rut usually takes two, you know. And what's amazing is people get into these circular arguments. And what they do is they start cross-talking. One is parenting the other, especially they have children. One is parenting the child in the other person. So they talk to them like a child. You said you were going to do this, 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 this. Well, then the other person goes, hey, I'm being talked to like a child. How dare they? And then they go, well, how's it feel to be talked to like a child? You said you were going to do blah, 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 blah. So then they start punching each other out. And nobody ever solves anything. Conflict is so simple. Here it is. This is what happened. This is how it affected me. And this is how I feel about it. So this is what happened. This is what it put me through. And this is how I feel about it. The other person goes backwards. Oh, so you're feeling like this. And this is what it puts you through. And that's how you see the situation. I understand. So it's just working in reverse. You go towards the issue with conflict. This is what happened. This is what it put me through. And this is how I'm feeling about it. Okay, now the response. This is how you feel about it. I hear that. This is what it puts you through. Oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. 
and then acknowledge the situation here. Oh, I see how you see the situation. This is how you perceive it. You see, it's not that hard to do conflict. You don't have to do Broadway productions and operas. You don't have to not complete. You just have to have the humbleness within your ego to actually listen. Be a good listener. You know, some people, you know, are are jealous of TV couples. So they watch shows because other people are enjoying their lives better than you are. But you have to remember, most of those shows are scripted. And so the bottom line is TV is not reality. Even reality TV is not reality. It's staged. Your marriage is not staged. You have to vest in it. You know, if you don't have date nights, or if you're low on affection, or if the person is saying, well, I'm just analytical, I just can't do, you know, I can do business, I can do this and that, but I don't do emotions. I'm just not, you know, you're just shutting the door on marriage. Why did you get married in the first place if you're going to be a robot? If you can't invest your emotions, if you can't do a little bit more than just be a robot, can you can you understand what you're putting other people through by thinking you're so smart and analytical? No, you're emotional too. You do emotional things. Emotions are our motivators. That's what makes us do things. If you have no emotions, you don't do things well. You do. You think you do things well. You think you're perfect, but you're not because you didn't invest your emotions, which is what motivates us to do great things in this life. You need them. And also, you know, many people only talk business all the time. Sometimes people don't take healthy time apart. Time apart can be a good thing. It's quality that's more important than quantity. Also, many people aren't very friendly. And there's a lot of people in this world, especially today, that are very tribal and unfriendly. Well, you know, try to look at your spouse as more right than they are wrong. Try to look at your spouse as more good than they are bad. And maybe what will happen is you'll tap into their human spirit. You know, a marriage is in a rut when you and your spouse are out of sync, you know, and and you have to understand there's a million reasons for it. You need to identify those reasons and you need to change. For instance, if you had a new baby, almost every woman struggles with their self-esteem after having a baby because they've just wrecked their body and they have to put it back together and then pray to God you're still attracted to them. That's a very delicate time for a woman. Don't abandon them. When you have a new baby, that's crazy. You know, some people experience uh, moments in their lives as difficult. Well, okay, we have blessings and we have lessons. We don't have failure. Blessings and lessons. That's all we have to navigate in this life. It's all process, process, process. As a matter of fact, it's the scientific process, which is riddled with failure so that we can evolve and learn. Very important for all of us to understand that if you're going to enter into the life of a marriage, when people are in a relationship rut, they tend to focus on what the other person, the other person, because they can't look at themselves, of course, but they can sure focus on what another person is doing wrong. The other thing that is really crazy is a person will hate themselves and hate a whole lot of things about themselves and never communicate it. And what they do is they communicate it as if they project it on their partner, as if they're the ones that holds all the responsibility for what's wrong with you yourself. Projecting on your partner is not healthy, not a good thing. Take adult accountability. I am responsible. Start saying I instead of you. Start saying I instead of they. 
Stop being a victim. We are not victims in this world. We can choose to be a victim. And if you want to create the narrative that you are a victim, you're going to run every human being out of your life, including your spouse, because nobody can stand being a victim because somebody else has to be the bad guy. And that's everybody else. You know, we want to shift our perspective. Sometimes changing the way you view your situation can be enough to make you feel better. You know, there's focusing on a positive in your relationship will shift your perspective and your lens onto something that you're grateful about. You also want to think about what you appreciate and what you're grateful for in your partner or your relationship. You might realize things are better than you imagine. You know, we also uh, want to connect with your partner, not just by going over the nitty gritty of your days about, you know, stupid subjects about what you did or what you didn't do. Life is not about what you did or didn't do. It's about meaning. Meaning is emotional, emotional. When you have an argument, that means what we're arguing about means one thing to that one person and means another thing to the other person. Figure that out first before you start negotiating the details. Understand what the meanings are to each person. You know, we want to connect on the big stuff. This is the kind of conversations that actually will make a marriage thrive. Talking about your possibilities, your opportunities, dreaming without the finances involved. Dream big, dream big. Think about great things you guys could do together and then figure out how to make some of them happen within the budget that you have, within the constraints that you have. But if you don't dream together, you don't live. You don't enjoy each other. Possibilities is the greatest conversation any couple can ever have. And if you want to get out of rut, talk about possibilities, start dreaming together, and all of a sudden your life will take a new shape because you actually have an image in your in your mind of what can be accomplished. You know, there are many different factors that can lead to a breakdown in communication. You know, one partner is under a lot of stress at work, but what is stress? Fear. And what is fear? The need to control. So if we all want to be psychotic, live in anxiety and fear, and you'll do a really good job at that. We are not meant to control things in this life. We are meant to influence. So we have to be better influencers if we want to navigate our life. But if we're going to stress out about results, then what's going to happen is we're going to live miserably. You know, anything hard, including exacerbating and understanding your emotions, makes your life easier. Why not do that? If you don't have a good EQ, go figure it out. Start talking about your feelings. Talk about how you feel. You don't have to, you know, make a big bunch of tone about feelings. You just say, you know, I'm feeling sad. You know, I'm very frustrated. You know, I'm feeling a bit lost. You know, what's wrong with just expressing the emotion? It's nice to know where you are emotionally. Then we know how to tether to each other in a relationship. The other thing is, we, if we communicate our feelings, if we effectively can learn how to communicate feelings, flat and straight, speak to the emotion, you don't have to use tone, you don't have to use verbosity, you don't have to use body language, just speak to your emotions. Not that hard, but a lot of people are afraid of that. They want to make you feel the way they feel. Well, we all feel differently. 
And that's just the thing we have to accept. Many people feel after a few years of marriage and kids that the spark is gone. So they've gotten stuck in a routine. You know, their spouse is busy um, with their work or their kids. They're tired. They're frazzled when they get home. They don't seem to be any romance left for anybody. And couples find themselves drifting apart. Well, here's something you have to understand. If you have children, they are watching you. If you two are cold as ice to each other, if you two are nasty to each other, you're teaching them how to be married. That's pretty sick. Unfortunately, couples are so prideful. Some people are so prideful that they won't tackle the problem of their communication. They'd rather demonstrate to their kids how not to be married. No wonder our marriages are going downhill like crazy these days. No wonder kids are getting married in their 30s and their 40s instead of in their 20s because they looked at their parents and they're going, that's not for me. That's not going to help me. That's not what I want. I don't want to be like those people. You know, over the years, your routines of work, childcare, household chores, other tasks hijack you from each other. And it's not even that these needs to be terrible, you know, arguments or crisis is simply drifting apart through bad habits and inertia, bad priorities. You know, you guys can do cleaning the house together. You can do some of the child care together. You can you can help each other. You know, that can be a part of your communication. Can you do this? And I'll take care of this. I'll, I'll do this if you can do that. If we do that together, then we can cut time and make time for each other. People will make time for each other. They just have to do it. And that's the unfortunate thing. They have 50 reasons not to. But you, that no excuse. You need to make time to be with your partner. If you guys were on your first hot date and you both liked each other or were madly in love with each other, you would make time for that date. I bet you would. Unfortunately, people take each other for granted in marriage. We need to communicate and respect each other. Respect is listening. That's respect, listening. We need to be good listeners in marriage if we want it to function. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back and talk about keeping a marriage strong and prioritizing it and fixing it from a rut. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about marriages in a rut. And I will tell you, it is amazing when people get together and start actually reminiscing about great things that have happened in their lives. Reminiscing about old behaviors that they once had. You know, it sounds corny, but you can boost your sense of togetherness by looking at old photos, recalling your first experiences dating each other, reminding yourselves of the great times you've had as a couple. You know, as you're recalling the past positives, think about putting on a list of things to do again. You know, what worked before can work again. You know, it's amazing. If you think about marriage in a sense of contributing to it and making it better, why don't you think about actually catching your partner doing something good instead of nagging them. If, 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 you know, what happens is when you start witnessing the good in another person, that person is inspired to do more. You know, if that person never gets credit, if you never give credit, well, I'm just not good at getting credit. I'm not good at validating or letting a person know how important they are. I'm just not good at that. Well, then you're not good at life. You're selfish. Cut it out. Make yourself look at the good in somebody else and actually do it. It would be great if we had people who had the caliber of integrity to actually rise up on their hind legs and actually recognize the good in another person. We do it for a lot of people in life, but our spouse? Heck no, we don't. We need to do that more often. You know, we need to feel appreciated. It's easy. And and, and here's another thing. You know, our our bodies are a really difficult thing to navigate through life because they can be attractive and unattractive. They can be whatever you want them to be. But I'll tell you what, your spouse is your problem. How they look, you've got to find something about them that you find attractive. Maybe they're, you know, as ugly as sin. But the bottom line is you need to find a way to make that person attractive. Their job is to do the same about you, no matter what your body shape is, what your smells are, what your whatever, what your appearance is. But you also need to say, hey, can you make it a little easier to be more attractive in this way or that way? So that I can have an easier way, you know, that get, that that's your time telling them this is not your problem. It's my problem. I need you to, to do this to help me so I can connect better with you. You also want to give appreciation very directly. You know, some people will do this wonderful thing. They'll, they'll write a little, little sticky note and stick it on the mirror when you're brushing your teeth in the morning. I think that's wonderful to actually compliment your spouse or recognizing something good. Appreciation goes a long, long way. 
And you also want to touch each other more. You know, that two foot body space around you is your intimacy space. And some couples are so cold that they don't even enter that body space. They are way out of that. Well, guess what? When people enter that space, that's your intimacy zone. That's that's the place that reminds you you're you you're close with somebody. And if you and your spouse continue to enter that space, not hover, but like kiss each other on the forehead, touch each other on the back, just swift, very simple things. Those are I love you's. Don't forget that. If you want to be build up your intimacy, you got to enter that two foot space and you have to show some sense of affection for your partner. You know, it's amazing, you know, it, it, that marriage can be the place where intimacy goes to die. So if you feel like you can relate to that, you know, the people who scoff at the idea of only being with one partner for the rest of your life, maybe it's time to change up your routine. That spark of excitement you had the first time with your spouse held your hand, pulled you in, cuddled, kissed, you know, that doesn't have to fade away. You need to show that for each other. When you find yourselves in an intimate rut, doing the same thing over and over again, maybe doing nothing at all, you know, is not going to help. You got to step out. And here's what some people do. You know, there, there's there's a reason why hotel sex is such a magical thing for a married couple. A change of scenery can actually make all the difference in spicing things up. You know, staying at a bed and breakfast isn't uh, possible every weekend, so you'll have to get creative at home. You know, uh, 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 you know, lock yourselves in the guest bedroom if you need to change the atmosphere. Go to a different bathroom. Climb, climb in the back of your car in the garage. Make out. You know, set up a tent in the backyard and blanket in a dark corner where nobody will see you. Learning new positions is a great thing for people to to gain more intimacy. Don't do it the same way all the time. Look at the Kama Sutra. Look at 69 positions, you know, classical positions reinvented, you know, the position of the day, the position of the week, whatever, you know, you can spice up your intimacy if you try. There's a lot of great things out there, great apps even that couples use, you know, the, the uh, uh, Intimately Us ultimate intimacy desire is a couple's game you know the, these are fun things that you can do you know gottman's card decks are also very good there's so many resources for all of us to take advantage of but number one you want to surprise your spouse that continuously surprising your spouse is a great thing to do not with negative things not with things that they don't want but surprise them with things that are meaningful and memory driven that is what is important to them you know what if you give them a necklace and they wear it all day that necklace is a reminder that you love them it's on their body. It's a great thing to have something like that. You know, the other thing is learning to explore your fantasy lives. That is another way that people can get back into intimacy. You know, try, to try to explore your fantasies, create an atmosphere with dim lights and romantic music. You know, uh, you know, do a, there's a there's actually stuff out there like a foreplay radio or Get Your Marriage On, or Sex Therapy 101, or The Extraordinary Marriage is a podcast that you can listen to. These are the things that are out there. There's so many sources to get you out of these ruts. You know, there's also a, a, a fantasy box or a spice box 
or or a, uh, a frisky Friday box. These are things that can actually get you out of your space. You can even do love coupons. Drop three coupons into a jar. The other person drops three coupons into a jar. You pull one of the coupons out that is to service your partner and the other pulls out to service you. And guess what? You guys have decided what you want to have for that evening. Whatever's on the coupon is what you guys have agreed that it can be on the coupon, number one. But number two, that is what you want to be done sexually. And so that in itself takes out the negotiations. And it actually puts you in a position where your actually partner's going to get pleased in one way or another. And there's something good that's going to happen from this this uh, intimacy, and it may not be the intercourse. It may be oral. It may be something hugging. It may be something about kissing. It may be something about anything that turns you on or has anything to do with your fantasy life. You know, and also watching movies that are passionate can be really great, or actually listening to music that's really passionate can be really great. You know, uh, a passionate marriage is a wonderful thing if you can have that, but you have to feed it and you have to be emotionally vulnerable and you have to be ready to actually participate in a marriage. Whether you need a little extra help shifting your mentality or overcoming blocks that you have in the bedroom, or if you're just looking for extra resources to improve your intimacy as a couple, even a sex therapist can help you, you know, check out all kinds of sources out there. Psychology Today has a therapist directory. Go through it and look for, for sex therapists in your area. You know, if, if there's another thing that is really interesting. We are all so heavily medicated in this world. And what's really amazing is we do not realize how much medication actually can affect your sexuality. It can turn it completely off. It can make it so a man, for instance, has ED. It can make it so a woman has no sex drive whatsoever because of what you're taking as medication. You likely need to talk to your doctor about other alternatives because they don't care about your sex life. They just want you to be healthy. They don't think about that. They don't think about how it affects your sex drive. You have to step into that problem and you need to bring that up to your doctor. And if they just throw a you know, Viagra at you, that's not going to solve it. It may be the medication you're taking, like an antidepressant. There is most antidepressants have sexual side effects. Not all of them, like Wellbutrin doesn't. But the bottom line is you need to understand the impact that these things are going to have on you. A lot of people have taken medication for so many years that they do not even realize how much of their life has gone by living basically like a robot because they're medication. You know, don't be shy about su suggesting to your spouse that the two of you need to try something new or having discussions about what you feel is working well and can use for improvement. You know, sex and intimacy are a topic people tend to avoid diving deeply to in marriage. But we need to if we're going to be married because that is an important component of our life. You know, so there's some really cool things that can make us emotionally intimate. Sit down and draw your dream home together. Sit down and talk about all your must-haves and what you want your 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 bedroom suite to look like and where you're hoping to live and make sure you share why behind your dream home features are there because you know, you want to draw your imagination into having an environment that actually will turn you on and make you feel closer to your partner. 
Also, if you want emotional intimacy, just sit and talk. Talk about feelings. Talk about life. Talk about possibilities. You know, ask each other one question a night that will help you connect and discuss things on a deeper level than you might have normally. Using those kind of thoughts can really help us. But you have to step out of your routine and your box. You also have to find a way to connect each week. Connect, connect, connect. Beyond date night, find something fun you can do together. You might go for a walk or grab your favorite drink or or talk in your car, or play a game, or watch a new episode of your favorite show and talk about it afterwards. You know, it's not that hard. You know, start a tradition also. Traditions are wonderful things. You know, uh, weekly family or couple meetings, you know, uh, that could be a wonderful thing. At that time, you you, you uh, don't want to coordinate plans all the time, but what you want to do is know what the family's going on, what's, what's happening, how are we doing, so that we can connect as people. When our kids see us do that, they will do that later in their life because they recognize the value. You know, the Gottman decks are card decks. They're from the Gottman Institute, and uh, you might want to look into that because they teach you how to listen. They teach you about expressing your needs. They talk about discussing sex. They talk about discussing, you know, uh, conflict avoidant people learning how to do conflict. You know, there's all kinds of great stuff that can come from the resources we have out there in this life. Intellectual. Now think about it. Here's another form of intimacy. Intellectual is created by learning together. This learning usually relates to an important issue, a topic, an interest. Learn something together. Take a community class. Take continuing education at a local college. Maybe pick up a language. Learn a language. Now you've doubled the population of the people you can talk to because you speak a different language. And now that may also encourage you to travel or bring people closer to you that are available to speak that language. You know? You also might want to take a class on something that you're both struggling with or can't seem to get on the same page. This might be your budget. You know, this might be parenting for toddlers and teenagers, health issues in your family, learning how to support people with health issues. All of these elements are so important. Now, here's another point of intimacy. Your spiritual intimacy is, is built around your sharing religious beliefs and the way you choose to practice your religion together. You know, so find a couple's devotional book and go through it together. Read your devotional together. Listen to the Daily Audio Bible, Brian Hansen's Daily Audio Bible. That is a beautiful, uh, you will go through the Bible in 365 days, both the Old Testament and the New Testament in his reading of the Bible. You can pick it up at any day and you will, by the same day the next year, you will have read the entire Bible you also, attending church is a great thing. It's not about actually listening to the pastor or listening to whatever religion you are. What it is, is about community. Learn to seek out people who are there because their life is in pain and they need help. That's why people go to church, because they're in pain. Have a compassion, love, understand, reach out to people, talk to somebody new. This is an important thing that we forget to do in this life. You know, uh, it's really important to learn how to not only pray for yourself, but pray for each other. You know, there's also uh, experiential intimacy. That's vacations. 
That's being active, finding something active, like playing golf or what a pickleball thing. Like People like doing that crap. Whatever it is, coaching a team, just do something. That is the great stuff that makes our life good. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, marry the one who gives you the same feeling as seeing your food coming at a restaurant. Also, never laugh at your wife's choices because you're one of them. Also, marriage is sitting next to your spouse as they watch loud videos on their phone while you're trying to watch your favorite show. Also, the perfect marriage would be between a blind wife and a deaf husband. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 